This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Yes, it is. It's been a, a hard season when college hockey starts. It's hard to get on. So, but yes, it's my first this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, there we go. It's uh, seems like somehow my my audio got uh, a little muted there, but we're there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, um, the Sharks end up winning and now have their sixth win in a row and like i said before are at nhl 500 i cannot believe this and uh jones i think um really putting it together a great effort tonight uh what's just your initial thoughts on the uh on the game tonight uh kelsey um well i thought the first period looked pretty solid um except for it got pretty sloppy maybe the last five maybe 10 minutes of the period. Um, the second period, can we just forget that happened? Um, I thought it was sloppy all around. Uh, the only thing I want to remember is the Carlson goal. Um, the third was fabulous. I thought that we were playing well. Um, they just had all the answers in the third. Yes, yes, they did. And uh, if you have not already, please uh, go ahead and subscribe to Teal Town USA. Uh, follow us on the social media using the uh, at Teal Town USA uh, user. And you can also find us on the Instagram, YouTube chat, Facebook, uh, SoundCloud, and Reddit, all using Teal Town USA. And please throw your questions up in the chat. We're going to try and, and get to some of them tonight. And uh, we do this uh, for the fans, and it's a, a fan production. So, yeah, just uh, great all around. And um, happy times in Sharks Land. Happy times indeed. Yes, it's very happy in Sharks Land right now, um, which is fabulous. NHL 500, thank God. I never thought we would get there. Right. It just seemed like the uh, the mountain that we could just never climb back up on. Uh, but the Sharks start the start the digging uh, with a Kevin LeBanc goal a minute into the game. <laughs> what? What? Uh, no, a minute left in the game or in the first period. Oh, my goodness. I am just messing up all over. I guess it's just because I'm excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. But Kevin LeBanc, 1859 um, with his sixth goal on the season. It was kind of a weird one. Um, it looked like Howard kind of had the initial shot and then somehow it came loose 
and uh, Kevin LeBanc cleaning up the garbage, uh, Couture and uh, Shimmick with the assist there. But what I was trying to get at is that the Sharks score the first goal in the first period, which has been, uh, you know, had been lacking for there for a little while. But it's good to see the Sharks uh, get one. And they were they were kind of doing some body blows kind of early in that game. It was like back and forth. Yeah, um, I did catch. I thought it was a pretty physical first period. Um, I was really surprised that the dirty goal came from Kevin LeBanc. Normally his goals aren't. They're pretty clean shots from the over on that dot that he likes. Um, so it was kind of interesting to see him get that weird kind of rebound. That's what I'm going to call it. Um, and I did catch a Brent Burns booty check. <laughs> yes, the Brent Burns <laughs> butt check uh, made an appearance. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, on that goal, just a great individual effort by LeBanc going through the neutral zone, doing some zigging and zagging. Great initial shot. It was good on uh, Shimek and Couture for wrangling in that puck and then getting it back to him. Um, and, you know, then we kind of had that little bit of a fumble there by um, by Howard and LeBanc pots in his sixth. So the Sharks uh, kind of off running. Um, interesting because they looked a little they looked a little slow to start off with. It looked like the Red Wings had kind of the early jump on them, but uh, but kind of came back and you know sorted it out. Their defensive zone coverage was so stellar tonight, though. That was the thing that really impressed me the most in that first period was just the defensive coverages. We saw a few two-on-ones, three-on-twos, and, uh, you know, the team was just able to sort it out, which is something that we did not see early in the season. Yeah, no, and they actually looked like they knew what they were doing in the first period, um, which I thought was really, uh, it looked like they had actually put it all together. Um, The one person that I thought kind of looked kind of sluggish the entire first period was Hurdle, Um, and I don't know if that was just coming back from that weird bump that he took, uh, last game, uh, I felt that he was a little slow in the first, but uh, he ramped it back up in the third, I thought. Yeah, you know, I thought Hurdle kind of came out a little bit slow, and the other person that I thought came out a little bit slow was uh, was Eric Carlson, and, and slow insofar as just the way in which he was skating. It seemed like he was mm-hmm. a little bit more methodical tonight than versus the, uh, the twinkle-toe skating that we've... Uh, come to know and enjoy from him so a little bit interesting and then you know the other thing I could you you could see is that ice was kind of chippy tonight you could just Mm -hmm. see it the puck was just really rolling on everybody people were blowing tires left and right so it was um, some really weird ice tonight I think yeah and and you could definitely see that in the play as well Uh, you know there was a lot of a lot more east to west versus the north Mm -hmm. to south kind of plays um and, and so, you know, the Sharks really do a good job escaping that first period with the lead. Um, the, sh- the shots on goal were uh, eight to nine in favor of the Sharks. But like I was saying before, it would seem like it was kind of body blow to body blow. And uh, in that second period, the, uh, the Sharks go ahead and they net another one. And this time, uh, Mark Edward Vlasic with his third. Um, just, uh, I mean, it was just a laser just labeled to that far side of the post um howard didn't really get a good read on it and it was it came from the um from the far side uh red line i believe and Mm -hmm. and so uh when he shot it in it just it just went right in on him 
So uh, kind of an interesting shot. And uh, you got Couture and LeBanc getting uh, the assists there. But good on Vlasic to wire that to the net. And uh, there you go. What did you see on that on that um, on that goal from Howard's perspective, uh, Kelsey? Well, I think that he just thought that it was just going to be a typical save, just like you know, as a defenseman, they shoot pucks on net like that all the time. I just think that he just wasn't prepared for how fast it was coming in and didn't adjust. Um, and Vlasic just snuck it in there right at the tail end. Well, just as you thought the Sharks might pull away with the game, Andreas Athanasiu with his fourth goal on the season, and he just put the Jets on. That I mean, that kid can turn it on, you know, at the at the flip of a switch. Um, that's his fourth goal on the season. Fabry and Hicketts with the assist, and you know, right there and then, um, you know, they they respond and they respond you know, with authority. What did you see on that, on that goal? And, and maybe perhaps a little bit of, of blown gap control there by Burns. Oh, uh, yes. Um, this was one of the, um, few times that I felt defensively that Burns kind of lost himself tonight. Um, I thought he played a fabulous game for the most part, except for on this goal. Um, and that penalty that he took, but, um, I'm really surprised that this is only Athanasiu's fourth goal of the season. Um, that is really impressive to me. Um, he just kicked it in gear in the second period and was just out there at all times. I felt like um, it was just crazy to see him just jet up and snipe that in. It was yeah, really no, it was an I mean, you know, there there's literally no chance of a save on that one. I mean, no, you know, he he you get Jones going down into the butterfly. And, and at that point, he you know, he just puts on the afterburners and just lifts it right across the pad. Um, incredible, incredible um, individual effort there by Athanasiu. And uh, yeah, there you go. Detroit kind of uh, claws back into the game. Um, 11.34 into the second period, Taro Hirose, I, 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 I think I might be butchering that one, chat and let me know, um, but uh, Taro Hirose with his first of the season, Perlini gets an assist and Bowie gets an assist, it is now all tied up, and you're thinking, wow, okay, you know, the, the Detroit team, you know, we had heard that they had kind of come in a little bit on on a, on a good note, um, had had that overtime loss in L.A., but really this team, you know, in the rebuilding mode, but it's definitely you're starting to see the, the markers of, of what it could be. Um, Kelsey, what did, what did you see on that goal? Um, I thought that this goal was interesting. Um I did not expect this to be a first goal for the season for this particular player. Um, and how that goal went in was really interesting to me as well. Um, and the fact I got the anthem to see you and this goal mixed up in my brain. Um, but uh, for some reason, I thought he was the one that tied it up in the second and not in the third. But um no, I just thought it was an interesting goal. It was a breakdown in coverage, and 
there it went. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just kind of another one of those busted coverages. He gets behind. Uh, I, I, he gets behind Burns there. Um, they kind of get a little bit crossed up. I wasn't really a fan of of LeBanc's defensive coverage either. Mm-mm. He could have he could have pushed up a little bit higher on that forward um, and taken the man as soon as he kind of came down from, um, you know, from the point. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, yeah just unfortunate, an, an unfortunate kind of goal. And uh, they tie it up. And again, you know, it's just you can start to see where the future is headed in Detroit and um with these collection of players and and it's it's interesting because it's you know they're giving the sharks there a little bit over the run for the money but uh eric carlson restores the lead with just an incredible incredible laser on the point on the power play LeBanc and couture with the assist there but i mean eric carlson that that guy is just coming on strong right now especially uh especially in the offensive zone what do you what did you see on that goal there kelsey I, um, when that, that was the, this is the Carlson of old that we have been looking for all the whole entire time that Carlson has been a shark. Um, I think that finally he's hitting that like six month mark post-surgery. I think that he's starting to feel it. And he was on tonight after that couple few minutes in the, in the first, uh, he looked a little sluggish. Um, but I think that he hit a stride here right at the middle of this, the game and that puck hits the back of the net and you could tell that he was feeling it the rest of the game. I am really impressed that he didn't have more points tonight, uh, for how he was playing. Um, but I think that says a lot, gives a lot to the Red Wings team because they are a super young team. Um, Randy Hahn made the point that most of their defensemen, uh, have spent most of their time in the A this year. Um, they're very unhealthy right now, um, and that just speaks to what this Red Wings team is going to be in three years. Um, they're going to be trouble. I'm glad we're not in there. <laughs> we don't have to play them very much. Yeah, and they've got um, Zadina still. Uh, Zadina and um, uh geez louise that's the center joe valeno there we go they yeah got, there you go <laughs> yeah um they've got those two um you know brewing down there in the uh in the grand rapids uh the griffins mm-hmm. and a oh whole boy i mean they're, that's going to be quite a t- collection of talent and they're going to be good for um a you long know, time yeah they're going to be good for a long time especially i think they'll be competitive this year um but i i i I don't think that they'll be challenging for a for a playoff spot, but I think they're going to be a lot more competitive than they were last year. And mm-hmm. um, you can definitely see the upward trajectory with Detroit. And with that uh, with that assist, you've got now three point games by both Couture and LeBanc. LeBanc, who had, you know, gone um gone i believe it was eight games without a goal uh mm-hmm. getting getting the goal and getting off the schneid but then you know chipping in with two helpers um couture with three helpers tonight so it's good to see those two really firing on all cylinders tonight offensively and uh yeah it was it was really good to see um the power play definitely looked a lot more effective tonight than it mm-hmm. did against uh, anaheim for sure and uh, the penalty kill, you know, what what can you say? The penalty kill continues to be the strength of this team. And the, the boys feed off of it because right after the penalty kill, you see they have a lot of they have a lot of mm-hmm. jazz to their game. So 
um, really special teams uh, carrying the day for the Sharks and their their positive one on the special team. So that's great. And uh, going into the third, I mean, they were going to need that score because uh, 15-46 into the third period, just when you thought the Sharks could hang on to win this guy in uh, in regulation, Athens see you again. And, uh, I mean, goodness gracious, it, it, it is that kid has got so much talent and he's had some issues. I, I, I wouldn't say he's had some issues contractually. And I think sometimes, you know, some people have questioned his, his motivation, um, you know, to play for the wings and stuff. And, uh, but, but man, the talent is there and supreme talent he's got. Oh my gosh, this kid, he, he can be something special if he wants to be. Um, he, this kid, he can, he can turn it on when he wants to be, but when he doesn't want to work, you can definitely tell in his game too. He is one of those, I'm going to be great. And then I'm going to be terrible. Right. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, um, one of the Washington capitals, one of the other Russians, not Kuznetsov and not, um, uh, not Ovi, of course, but uh, I can't remember. Somebody will, somebody will chime in, but just superior, superior talent, but mm-hmm. just kind of... Uh, the work ethic isn't there. Yeah, exactly. The work ethic is not there. Um, so the Sharks uh, hold on um, to uh, preserve the tie going into the overtime period. And um, not Jacob Verana. Thank you, Josh McKenzie. It wasn't Jacob Verana, although that is another one of those Russians who was really talented. But uh, not not the person I was thinking of, but somebody else might chime in on it. Um, but the, the Sharks go into that overtime period. And for me, I was kind of sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time because these wings come in with Alexander Simmons. Thank you, J.F. Turner. Um but I, I was just biting my nails through that whole overtime because of just the fact of how much speed they've got between Larkin and Athanasiu and Bertuzzi. It's just like, oh, no, this was not going to be a great matchup against the Sharks. What did, what did you see in the, uh, in the overtime that you liked, Kelsey? And then what, what was something that you didn't like in the overtime? Um, I liked how, we, how the Sharks combated the speed by kind of clogging up areas instead of sending all they sent one up and left two back on the blue line instead of uh trying to go in and catch them on a weird uh like drop pass or whatever to pull the puck away from them uh so they kind of waited for them to make a mistake to where they could get to it instead of um, trying to force the mistake. Uh, because that speed, if he wants to, Athanasiu is going to leave you in this dust. One thing that I loved in the overtime was Jones. And I have been a hater on Jones for this entire season. I thought that he was fabulous tonight. Absolutely fabulous. Um, it was just great to see him have a really good game. Most of those goals you would like to see him have, but eh, most of them were defensive problems anyways. 
Um, so it was good to see him have a good game. I did not like that uh, penalty that Burns took in the overtime. I thought that it was kind of unnecessary. I thought that it should have been a penalty shot instead of a penalty. Yeah, I was I was actually surprised as well. I I was just holding my breath, waiting for that uh, for that arm to swing down to the center line and getting a penalty shot because you know Athanasiu just turns on the Jets again and burns um, burns burns. But uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Brent goes down. He does get the puck initially, so I think that that's kind of what saves him from getting, you know, the the penalty shot called against there because he does touch the puck first, but he does bring down the player uh, in the process. So they do get, go on the power play, and boy, oh boy, they did some workmanlike PKing there, um, really just keeping the Red Wings to the to the exterior of of the ice. Um, you're not allowing for Larkin to get his one-timer off. Uh, just really like the defensive um, foundation there. And, you know, they, the, the PK bails them out again. And they end up preserving uh, the tie going through the overtime. And we head to the shootout. And the shootout, it, it, it was just the Jones show again. Mm-hmm. This whole game was the Jones show. Um, I really liked um, his save on Athanasiu. I thought that it was great. Um, I was really surprised that uh, Larkin didn't put pull some more moves out on that. He needed to score, and he did nothing. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody went to the backhand because that's always kind of been a weakness of Jones. You know, going to the backhand and, and raising above the pads um, has always kind of been an effective uh, move against Jones. Uh, or, you know, I, the other scouting report, on, the other knock on him is is uh, high side glove and, and five hole. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he has a tendency if you move him left to right, he opens up the five hole. Um, but no, I mean, Jones getting down in the butterfly really quickly, you know, really making himself look big. And, uh, you know, it, it, it took it took everybody tonight, um, you know, pulling on the rope in the same direction. And uh, and Jones just kind of being that great solid base on the back of the rope and and, you know, really um, <laughs> at the end of the day, just, uh, you know, pulling it home and you know good on him because he had looked bad there were there were questions swirling around Peter DeBoer and his job there were questions around Jones and whether or not he should be the starting goaltender um and you know honestly the whole team just looking dead to rights um but now they've snapped off six games in a row and they are at 10 10 and 1 and believe it or not, folks, they are now tied in points with the Vegas Golden Knights, and they actually leapfrog them uh, because of the uh, of the win stat there. And so the Sharks um, now, you know, now poised to to make a run uh, into the top three, eight points out of first place. Uh, you know, Edmonton continues to win, but it'll be an interesting game on Tuesday night. Uh, the Shots on goal tonight. At the end of everything, it's uh, Red Wings with 28 shots on goal. Sharks, 19 shots. Red Wings, 51% in the faceoff dot. 
the Red Wings go 0 for 3 on the power play. Sharks go 1 for 3. Hits 18 to 16 in favor of the Red Wings. Blocks. Both teams doing a lot of blocking tonight. 13 and 13. Giveaways. 13 for the Sharks and 7 for the Red Wings. And I think this is the one where you see kind of why they, they shot themselves in the foot in the third period. Those giveaway that giveaway number has to go down and you know in order to beat um, extremely quick teams especially teams that that love to attack um, on the uh, excuse me on the rush you you cannot have that many giveaways you can't do that against Edmonton they will bury you in that if you do that against Edmonton on Tuesday that is definitely true. Uh, JF Turner with a question. Uh, does anyone in the Pacific scare you right now? For me, nobody does at this point. I think Edmonton slash Arizona will fall back to earth and Vegas is strugg struggling mightily. Uh, so I guess bigger picture now. Kind of now we're talking a little bit more on standings and where the Sharks are at and just kind of overall. So who who in, in the Pacific Division scares you the most, Kelsey? Um, I think that I'm probably going to go with Edmonton. Um, Connor McDavid, as everyone knows, he, he's an amazing player. He's fabulous. Um, and then you have Dreisaitl with him, and no, that's wrong. No. My yeah. brain's not functioning. No, I mean, I mean, but but you're right, and and it's interesting too because, you know, under Dave Tippett, you're seeing Edmonton be a lot more um, focused on their defensive zone coverages. They're really buying into uh, the way to play the game, and you know that Dave Tippett can squeeze so much out of the juice when even that that uh, that lemon is not that big. You know, he's taken. <laughs> He's taken some Arizona teams to the playoffs and to the Western Conference Finals when they sh had no reason to be there. So just a supremely talented coach, um, you know, just a defensive mastermind. And then you give him two of the best players in the league, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. And boy, oh boy, you know, that that is the team to beat right now. Uh, yes, they are very top heavy. But then again, it is Connor McDavid. You know, and you want to play your your best player the most amount of ice time. Yep, and you know, I I don't know how Dave Tippett does it. I would love some of his secrets because that's just crazy how he can pull so much out of those two players and how. And I do think that they'll fall back to earth a little bit, but I also think that. Um, if you shut Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid down, they don't win. Yeah, I mean, and the Sharks really showed that uh, in the last game that they played against Edmonton where, you know, you basically had um, Eric Carlson and Mark Edward Vlasic shadowing McDavid and Dreisaitl and, you know, shut down McDavid and Leon only got the one goal. So, you know... Uh, if you can continue to do that and force the depth of Edmonton to try and beat you, you know, there is not a lot of depth in Edmonton. So, you know, you put the Sharks depth against the Edmonton depth. I, I, I'll take the Sharks, you know, nine times out of ten on that one as far as depth-wise. Depth 
I agree. Um, Sleepy Mofo also a really great, uh, great point. The you know they're one McJesus or Leon injury away from a collapse, and and you know what? For as good as Connor McDavid is, he's always to me seemed like a, a little brittle. Mm-hmm. You know, so well, yeah, he's never really had to toughen up because he's always had players around him to protect him. He doesn't really have that this season. And so I I think that they're probably and Leon Dreisaitl isn't necessarily the most healthy player either. He tends to get injured about midseason and is out for a good five to nine weeks. I mean, we've seen that the last couple of years too. So, you know, I I think Edmonton will fall. If Edmonton falls, I don't know if there's anyone in the Pacific I'm scared of at this point. Right. And so, you know, the with Edmonton, um, you you basically, like you're saying, you, you shut down the top two of, of Leon and, and McDavid, and you're now making the, the depth of Edmonton try to beat you. And, and again, I'm not in love with, the rest of the team outside of those two and and Darnell Nurse on the back end, the other the other exploit uh, the weakness that you can exploit on Edmonton is the relatively weak back end. Um, I feel like if the Sharks' big forwards really press down and really grind hard on the uh, Edmonton defense, you know they'll get a lot of zone time for sure. Um, and and the other thing that I wanted to bring up is with. Just the amount of ice time that those two players get, it opens them up for more, um, you know, for more injuries, you know, potential for mm-hmm. injuries. So, you know, is it is it a, uh, you know, a, a house of cards, so to speak? I, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I I feel like the team is definitely showing that there there is a lot of success to be to be had in the way that they're playing. But I also think that it leaves them a little bit exposed. I agree. So, so um, I mean, for Edmonton, yeah, the, you know, that's definitely got the most star power uh, in the Pacific. Uh, Arizona and Vancouver are in second and third places, respectively. Um, Arizona is just a really hardworking team. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that they're going to be around it, sniffing it um, the whole season. Vancouver is on the ascension and, and we saw this coming, you know, that it, it was a slow rebuild, um, but the Elias Pettersson get really helps them. Um, Brock Besser, Bo Horvat, um, you know, the, you've got a good nucleus going on in, in Vancouver. So I think they'll be competitive as well. I, I love Vancouver. Um, for those of you who don't know me, cause I'm not around very often. I, do a lot of work with the University of North Dakota, which if you know Brock Besser, that's where he went to college. So I spent a lot of time around Brock. Um, and I love his game. And I think it plays right into what Vancouver was working on. And, you know, but here's the thing about Brock, too. He is very injury prone. <laughs> and so you kind of get into this, those three teams that are at the top right now have their stars are pretty injury prone. 
and you are one bad month of injuries away from being at the bottom. Yeah, I mean, Quinn Hughes, right? I mean, he, he's on the shelf mm-hmm. right now um, on the on the back end. And I think, again, you, you look you look at the, the top three teams in the Pacific right now, uh, Edmonton, Arizona, Vancouver. And I think you can all we can all say that they're they're weak. If you want to if you mm-hmm. want to highlight it weak on the back end. Yes. Um, you know, outside of Ekman Larson in um, in Arizona and then outside of Hughes um, in um, uh, in Vancouver, you know, it's 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 thin on the blue lines and the Sharks have, you know, a, a pretty potent blue line. Um, so, you know what you use, you use your strengths, which are your big bodied forwards. You really lean in and we're starting to see it when they get their forecheck going they start to make some hay and I think that that's one of the really the good signs that we're seeing of this team is just how um, impressive the forecheck is now coming on um, you know the, it looks like the lines have been solidified with Timo and uh, with Hurdle and with um, Barkley Goodrow mm-hmm. you, you saw uh, Couture's line really have a great night tonight have a bounce back night um, Couture and LeBanc and Kane I like those three together because you've got a little bit of everything on that line um, you know I think for me Jumbo has been a little bit of a slow start this year and um, if I would if I would say anything I would I would want that line to kind of pick it up next i'd like to see them um you know start to pot some points here and uh you know kind of kick it into gear um i i you know jumbo i think is getting older and we can definitely see it um but you know he still likes to set up behind the net and it and it is nice to see him distribute from back there um you know just doing doing some yeoman's work back there but yeah that the third line to me is really the the next line to have Mm -hmm. a breakout game i agree um i would love to see jumbo have some uh bigger games but i think what you're seeing on your our first and second line is you're seeing those younger kids break out and i think that that's happening because of the leadership that you see in jumbo and patty and couture and so I think that they're finally starting to like pick up on those things that they that these that Jumbo and Cooch have been teaching them all this time, and now bringing Patty back. Um, I think that it's fabulous that the the young kids are finally stepping up and making some big point moves. Um, but you know, I I love me some Jumbo. So <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and and you make up a great point that the the kids have been picking up the slack and and that's good because for so long it used to be the Joe Thornton show and pulling everybody else along and now it's nice to see that he's got a collection of players that can you know that can pull the weight for him and and he be the the um you know the secondary piece because he he's never had that in his career um until now and and so it is good to see that um, and so I, I'd like to see him him break out with some with some more points. Um, and I believe it's it's Logan with 11 points in five games now. And he's really rocketed up the um, up the point chart now. And I believe he shares the uh, the co lead with uh, with hurdle with 21 points each. 
Uh, yeah, um, I I would like to see some more goals from Cooch though. Like we're seeing a lot of assists and that's fabulous, but I would like to see him get more in the back of the net. Um, just because we need someone to pick up that slack now that Pavelski is gone, that we're missing out there. So I'd really like to see him take that spot. Yeah. Well, I, we've got a couple of, we got a question from Josh M on, uh, Looking at the news recently, PDB is coming under a lot of heat. Uh, is it a bad thing if the Sharks continue to keep making the playoffs only for untimely exits? And if so, is that his fault? You know what? I mean, I think at some point you have to recognize that a coach getting you to the playoffs, I think that, that that's his job, right? That His job is to get you into a position to to win it all. And I think that mm-hmm. Peter DeBoer does that for the most part, although he does make some really dumb, boneheaded roster moves when it comes to sluggers and playing the old school hockey. But, you know, all you can ask is for, for the, the team to be put into position. What's your thought on Peter DeBoer and, and just how he looked in the early in the season and what's kind of changed and what works for him? So, I... I'm not the biggest Pierre DeBoer fan. Um, I don't like his goalie management. It sucks. Um, he makes some really questionable decisions on that standpoint. He makes questionable decisions on some of the players that he decides to play considerably lately. Uh, Dalton Prout. I don't like him as a player at all. Um, so I think having him on the lines. I don't like it. I hate that decision. Um, I honestly thought before the six-game win stretch that Peter Bohr was one loss away from getting fired. Um, Now I think that he could probably – I think it's something that you reevaluate in the offseason. I think that it's your coach's goal to get you – to the playoffs, but it's the players that have to pull up and they're the ones in the end that have to score the points and the ones that have to score their goals and the ones that have to actually play the game. And if you don't show up, you don't win. That's what happens when you get into the playoffs. If you don't show up, you don't win. And, you know, kind of like 2016, we can't, we won in Pittsburgh then we came home and didn't show up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, again, because there's not a lot of, of moves to make in the playoffs, because basically you're just, you're playing your best players. Um, you know, I, I, I think that you're right. It, it's, it's putting them in, in the best position to win, um, and, and I think that he does for the most part. You know, we can all question Ryan Polak playing against Pittsburgh and, you know, um, uh, you know, Tim Heed being benched at times or or what have you. But I, I think for the most part, he makes I would say he makes more good decisions than bad. And I think that, you know, I, for the most part, that's that's all that you can ask from a coach. Um but again, when he does make those boneheaded moves, you just wonder, like, are you trying to lose your job? But um, but I think, you know what, I think in, instead of that, instead of talking about losing jobs and something negative, I think we go for the ultimate positive here. 
why don't we go do a reach around? Have the goddamn common courtesy to give him a reach around. <laughs> it is your NHL reach around. No, it's wrap around, but I just like to give uh, Puck Guy a hard time. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, November 16th, and 30 of 31 teams in action tonight on the Hockey Fights Cancer. Uh, I believe uh, everybody saying uh, bleep cancer, and uh, that's definitely for sure. And so, with that being said, the Hurricanes beat the Wild 4-3 to tonight in overtime. We've got uh, Edmondson, uh, Brock McGinn, um, Svechnikov with the uh, OT winner, and Carolina beats the Wild 4-3. to The LA Kings beat the Golden Knights 4-3, to and doing uh, their, their Northern California uh, counterparts a solid... <laughs> uh, you've got Max Pacioretty, uh, Jonathan Marcheseau, um William Carlson with the goals for the Las Vegas Golden Knights. <laughs> um, you got Dowdy. Um, I, I I can't even pronounce these, so it, we'll just say Carter with the last goal in the third there, and uh, Jonathan went. Uh, Jonathan Quick wins, uh, gets the winner, and uh, it's four to three Golden Knights. The Dallas Stars beat the Oilers 5-4, to four, and look who's woken up kind of alongside with the Sharks. The Dallas Stars are now 11-8-2, beat uh, the Edmonton McJesuses 5-4. to four. You've got, uh, I, you've got only Leon of the two uh, scoring tonight, so kind of interesting. After that six-point night, uh, McJesus nowhere to be seen there on the uh, score sheet for Edmonton. Uh, the Coyotes whip up on the Flames 3-0, and boy, oh boy, if you did not see this one, it was a feisty affair. You had a goalie fight. You had line brawls. This was this was some, some good hockey, um, <laughs> and, uh, and the Coyotes, uh, you know, again, spirited team, plucky, so that's all you can ask, and uh, they beat the Flames, and, you know, you talk about a team that right now is is kind of a little lost kind of middling the flames you know they 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 haven't seemed to really get on a roll excuse me and uh they seem to not really have an identity right now have you seen anything in the flames that kind of suggests kind of what the problem is at this point is it goaltending maybe well i think the flames is one of the flames biggest problems is goaltending um, I also feel that they just like, I don't know what that team is. I don't think they have an identity. I think, and I think that's the biggest problem. A team without an identity doesn't know who they are and they have a difficult time playing together. They don't know, like, you can't just play to win. You have to have something that you're playing for. And so they got to figure it out. I like the Flames, but I think they're getting extinguished. <laughs> Very nice on that one. Uh, the Jets uh, beat the Lightning 4-3. to The Jets are just that team that just won't go away. You think they're down and out, and, you know, lo and behold, they're 12-8-1, and and uh, the Jets beat the Lightning in regulation 4-3. to The Capitals beat the Bruins in a shootout 3-2. to The Sabres beat the Senators 4-2, to two. 
Devils beat the Canadians in overtime 4 to 3. The Panthers beat the Rangers 4 to 3 in regulation. The Panthers sporting a nice 10-5 and 5 and starting to really pull it together and starting to look like a team that might make the playoffs. I agree. Um, I don't, uh, I haven't gotten to watch a lot of um, East Coast hockey lately. Um, so I don't really know a whole lot about them right now. Right. Right. They're just, they're just kind of, you know, I, I have always kind of seen them as a team that um, has, has the talent, but just never really putting it together. And now with Joe Quinnenville, um, you know, leading the, the leading the bench there, I, I you know, I, I could see this team really, you know, making its mark and, and uh, I think making the postseason um, Islanders beating the Flyers four to three Islanders. Boy, oh boy, 14, three and one and talk about a team that is very quietly being elite and and you've got uh, Mitch Korn the goalie whisperer you know doing his thing with Grice and uh, with uh, Varlamov and uh, yeah whoever they put in goal it doesn't matter they're they're getting quality goaltending so uh, Trotz and uh, and Korn you know really doing such a great job and I, I I just I can't believe this from the Islanders you know it's just every time you want to count them out and and you know, every time we kind of dismiss them as not having enough talent to hang, they're hanging. Well, I think that that hiring Barry Trotz, that was the most impressive thing that the Islanders have done. And that completely turned around that whole team. They basically have most of the same players um, with obviously the loss of Tavares. But um, it's crazy just to see how much that team has changed. Again, it's an identity thing. They found their identity. They know who they are, and now they can play. Yeah, yeah. It, it's amazing it, just the mentalities of the teams, and if you do have an identity versus if you don't, you, you saw the Sharks listless there in the first part of the season because they didn't have an identity. You know, they were playing. Mm -hmm. It looked like a bunch of individuals playing individual hockey and not as a team, and lo and behold you know you get them pulling on the rope in the same direction and you can get some good things going but uh, talking about not good things going <laughs> and, and alicia with the great segment a segue there pajama boy um not leading the maple leafs to glory right now because they fall to the penguins six to one and the sky is falling in in toronto it's time to fire the coach time to replace the gm it's just pandemonium in toronto and uh, boy oh boy I, if they don't get it together soon i think babs is out of there well so i was just i was talking to my husband about this earlier tonight actually and i think that's why they brought in hackstall to get rid of babcock why do you hire an elite coach to put him as an assistant? <laughs> right. Dave Haxall as the assistant there. And, and, you know, it's interesting too, because I don't think that Babs was ever Kyle Dubas's guy. Um, no, you know, that was a Brandon Shanahan hire. 
Um, and that was a holdover from the previous regime where it seemed like the ideologies were kind of clashing. And I, I, yeah, I, I just, they, they do not have the personnel to be playing Mike Babcock's system. And I also don't think that he's a good fit insofar as, as, uh, the young players that they have and, and how they want to play fast and they want to play, um, you know, the, the transition game. I, I don't think Mike Babcock is that coach. I don't think he ever has been that coach. So I don't think so either. And I don't think he knows how to be that coach. And so I think that bringing on uh, Dave Haxtell, um, even though his untimely end in Philly um, I, I honestly think that it's going to be a transition period and that Babcock is on his way out. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I agree with that one too. Uh, the duckies beating up on the blues four to one, uh, and they're continuing to hang in there. So it's interesting to see that the ducks kind of are in this, you know, win one, lose one, win one, lose one kind of mode, but they're, they're hanging around Blackhawks beat up on the predators seven to two and, those two teams almost sharing similar records and you see kind of the Blackhawks again not getting a lot of footing um, kind of trading wins and losses but the Predators also now seemingly have kind of lost a little bit of their identity and not really sure in which way to play so it's kind of things are kind of interesting in the central not because of the teams that are elite but because of the teams that are struggling exactly um there's way too much talent on this predators team to be sucking as much as they are um there's way too much talent on the maple leafs to be sucking as much as they are that central the that central they have so much talent but where are they yeah it's it's topsy-turvy right now and and i think you know, it's it's interesting to see the teams that are on the ascent and the, the teams that are kind of middling right now. And those teams that we, you know, we tend to think are the elite teams have not really found it yet. Um, you know, it, it, it took the Sharks a long time to get out of the tailspin. It's now looking like the Predators are kind of having a little bit of a speed wobble in their season. Um, you know, the, the blues are doing a fairly good job, but they're 12, four and five. I mean, so, you know, it's not like they're super elite, but you know, they're, they're the team that, that, you know, continues to, you know, to get the job done and not do it very flashy. And, um, without Vladimir Tarasenko, they're, they're still hanging in there. So, um, you know, it's interesting Colorado, um, beating the Canucks five to four, um, in overtime, the the avalanche you know you've got nathan mckinnon there and he's he's holding down the fort um really doing doing everything in his power to keep them afloat while landis cog and and ranting and um heal up but uh but yeah again it just it just seems like we we haven't really seen a powerhouse elite team yet in the west um and 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 the islanders being the elite team in the east i mean I guess I guess through the first quarter it is, but boy oh boy, <laughs> um, Felix saying uh, aren't the Sharks facing the Islanders next weekend? Um, I believe that's true, and and it should be a pretty interesting uh, interesting game um, to kind of see them. Um, 
Anton Bebo starting in goal tonight with the abs. Um, and then, of course, the Sharks beating the Red Wings 4-3 to in the shootout. So now that we've kind of gotten through that first quarter of the season, Kelsey, what are some things that have just stood out to you insofar as the Sharks and kind of insofar as the league? Um, I thought that now that the Sharks have kind of decided that they're going to play hockey, I like hockey again. <laughs> there have been some nights that I... I live in North Dakota, so it's like 1.30 here. And so when I stay up to watch a game on the West Coast and they lose, I get really upset about it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I I really, I really like them right now. Um, hockey and I have a good relationship right now. Um, go ahead. Um. So it, we got an interesting quote coming in from DeBoer on LeBanc's complete, uh, complete effort tonight. He was just on it tonight. He wasn't waiting for a bounce, cheating for it. He was making it happen. It was one of his best games in a long time. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. You know, his defense is always going to be a work in progress, and I think that that's just kind of the player that he is. You know, I think if we get like a – 50-50 off of his defense. I, I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, but offensively, oh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Hockey Mob, with the uh, with the Super Chat donation. Really appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think getting him going is, is really important, especially um, mm -hmm. on the offensive on the offensive end of things, because, you know, with the departure of uh, with Pavelski and losing all those goals, you know, you're going to need other people to step up and you know, it's good to see him step up tonight. Um, we had somebody asking, Sleepy Mofo asking, any update on Hurdle's knee? Uh, I, I Hurdle played through the third, right? I mean, I don't, I don't mm -hmm. think, I, I, I think that that um, he uh, had said after the game that um, that it, you know, if he had a, a horrible knee injury, he'd know it. Um, <laughs> and he, he said that 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 was just a little bit of a tweak and um you know he, he played through it tonight and i think it was more precautionary on thursday night keeping him out the last bit of the third um that was probably more of a coaching decision than a hurdle decision um on any front uh, like i had said earlier i did think that he was a little sluggish in the first but after that he looked great um I don't have any complaints about him tonight. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm going to just uh, double check here and uh, kind of go through the ice time tonight. Uh, Tom Hurdle, 20 minutes and 38 seconds. So, yeah, I, I don't – I you know, I think he was taking – About his, average. Yeah, his normal amount of, of shifts. And, um, you know, we saw him in that third period. So, I think, yeah, I think he's okay um, as far as that goes. Um and, uh, yeah, I mean, Andy Mann, since Trotz took over, the Islanders are 62-30 and 8. I mean, you can definitely see that. I mean, he's, you know, yeah, Barry Trotz has just done some really, really good work um, for the Islanders for sure. Um, let's see here. Taking a look if we've got any. Uh, yeah, I, and, and I think that that. um 
yeah, I'm pretty 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 sure that he took he took his regular shifts on the third. So yeah, I I don't know Sleepy Mofo. I think I think he's okay. So yeah, I, I if if something has happened, then I haven't heard about it yet. Um, yeah. So you know the sharks finally climb out of the hole and um, now get back to ten ten and one. And I hope that the worst is in the rearview mirror for sure. Their defensive zone coverage has seemingly been um, revamped. And it seems like they're kind of buying into the system now a little bit more. So, um, I, you know, I, I, I think it's just uh, all, all, all the cylinders are firing right now for sure. And this is the this is the way that the team has to play. Not necessarily tonight's game, but more more along the lines of, of how you saw them play against um, against the Predators and against um, Edmonton, because it's going to be those defensive efforts that's going to win them mm-hmm. um, win them hockey games. I like the consistent effort that we've had over the last since October ended, pretty much. Um, the consistency of having the effort every night. Because if you show up to a game and you lose and you're outplayed because, but you showed up, I can't be mad at you for losing the game. You just lost because of, I hate the phrase puck luck. It is the worst phrase ever. But you could have lost because of puck luck. That happens. Yeah, and and like we have always said with this team, you know, they make their own breaks. You know, when they when they put the effort in, nine times out of ten, they're making their own breaks and they're making their own puck luck. It's when they try to cheat. It's when they try to not give a hundred percent effort in the defensive zone when we when we start to see them fail. And you saw that in the in the beginning of the in the beginning of the season that the team was not buying into the, into the defensive zone. They were not buying into the coverages and. And giving an incredibly uh, incredible amount of two on ones and odd man um, attacks and really weak allowing weak zone entries into their mm-hmm. own defensive zone, and with that you saw a lot of losses. And you know what? I think with the defensive structure, you do see better play in Jones. But I, mm-hmm. I think that Jones is just an average goaltender, and so your defensive efforts have to make up for that. Yes, I agree. Um, I have always not been a fan of the Jones extension contract. I thought that it was for way too long and for way too much money for a goaltender of Jones's caliber. Um, that being said, there really wasn't a whole lot to even go and pick up this year. Even if you wanted to replace him, you couldn't because there was not a whole lot available. You would just be swapping one average goaltender for another average goaltender. Yeah, no, and you're, you're exactly right. And so then JF Turner kind of gives us a question about the roster. Um, should the Sharks trade a roster player for a scoring winger? And, and, you know, I think it's interesting because I, I would have said prior to the win streak, yes. But since Barkley Goodrow's ascended into that second line winger role, I, I, I don't I don't think that you do necessarily. I do am not hating what we have right now. I don't 
I don't think that I would go out and be shopping around looking for a scoring winger. I don't really think we need it. I think that we finally found some lines that work consistently. Um, everybody's playing together with great chemistry. The lines have great chemistry. They have great balance. So, you know, I I think that we're good right now. I If something came up, I might take it. Yeah, and and I for me I I think the 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 player the kind of player that I look at is a depth forward, uh, you know somebody who you can slot in on the um on the right side or actually on the left side for either Radil um or you've got um Noah Gregor in there who who does play that spot but it doesn't mm. seem like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like Peter DeBoer is really sold on his game yet so having somebody to come in and give a little bit more consistency than Radil. Although I like his, I've liked his four checks since he's been reinserted. Um, I think mm-hmm. he's kind of been um, kind of a little bit of a pit bull um, in the corners, which I do like to see from him, but it's just that he doesn't bring that consistently. Right. And, and I think Correct. that that has been, been an issue with the fourth line for as long as I can remember is just having consistent forwards. I've liked Gambrell's game. I think he's definitely mm-hmm. kind of um, come on. So I would I would like to see maybe an, another depth forward added um, for that left side. And you know I, you know I guess I guess we'll go into it now. And um, I know that he's your boy and and he's a great guy. Um, but Aaron Dell, I mean, what what do you do with Aaron Dell? Do we have to? Okay, yes, we do. Um, I think that, first off, you need to give him some more playing time this season so that you can dish him on someone else. I love the guy to death. I think he's a great guy. He's awesome. But I just don't think that he's what the Sharks need long-term. Um... And maybe it's time after this contract is over for him to hang up his skates. Maybe I don't, I think it's going to be hard for him unless there are some spots, some goaltenders that get injured for him to find another job. Um, just because he doesn't give a lot of consistency. Um, but when you start one game and then you the next game you play is in 20 days, how hard is that to do that? You know, so it's, again, with the Peter DeBoer and the goalie management, I've never been a fan of his management style on goalies. Um, but I do think that it's time to move on from Arundel as much as that pains me to say. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's it's interesting because in his first year, Arundel looked like a world beater. You know, he, he had a lot of, of, um, of talent. You, you liked the way that he battled in the net. He, he's, he's a six-foot goaltender, and I think six, six foot's a little bit generous for him. Um, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's not the biggest guy in the world. So, you know, you've got to rely on athleticism and I like his determination, but you know what, to me, his reads have been a little off, um, for a while now. And I think that it's, it's time to, you know, try and get somebody who can, who can push Jones. Now the, the contract is going to be the biggest, you know, the, the biggest, 
um, issue with this. You know, he's got a million. Mm-hmm. I think it's a 1.5 mil on the cap, mm-hmm. and so trying to get somebody to take that would be very difficult. Um, and then you know, right now there's just not a lot on the goalie market. You know, there's there's not a lot that that I like out there. Um, not really a lot in in the Sharks pipeline. You know, everybody's saying Cornash, 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 and I was one no. Of those, no, he's he's not he's he's not ready yet. Bad kitty. No, I. Everybody thinks that Cornash is the in the Sharks world is the greatest second coming, and I'm like, eh, I don't really like his game. I don't. Yeah. I I like those goaltenders that are cool and calm in the net and don't move around a lot. Um, unneededly, I don't like those big pizzazzy goaltenders like uh, Peke Rene, who is going to make those huge, crazy saves that you're like, how the hell did you make your body do that? Um, I don't like those goaltenders. Um, and I, I just, I don't like his game and I just can't get on board. Yeah, no. And, and, and I think also too, he's, he's really struggled out of the gate this year in the Barracuda. Um, you know, the Barracuda, of course, they're having their own issues, especially with, uh, especially with the defensive zone coverages and just the defense in general has not been great. Um, they're a dumpster fire right now. Yeah. So I think you're going to probably have to go outside of the organization, but again, like what team is going to trade with the, going to help out the sharks, you know, one, who's going to do, do them a favor. And two, I mean, again, what's, what's available. It, it's not much. You know, not, not much is out there. And I mean, maybe, I mean, dear God, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like a Jimmy Howard type is on the market, but I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. No, no. Um, you know, I, you're cause you're looking at who's, who's in the cellar and, and then what do they have? And that's the problem is that there's really not a whole lot out there right now. Like I, we are coming up on this like year of a lot of average goaltenders, and even the goaltenders that are going to be coming free agents and stuff like that, that towards the end of the year and that are going to be looking for new homes at the deadline, there it's nobody that I want to deal with. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Again, it's just you you look at what what is out there and 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 there's not there's not a lot there's not a lot i mean again you're you're looking at the low end of the league you got minnesota there's not really much there in goaltending you've got detroit again not much there los angeles you're not getting anything out of los angeles ottawa tire fire columbus i mean new jersey so i mean Again, it, it, there's there's not a lot right now, and I don't think that the Sharks can really go shopping yet until, you know, until we get maybe 35 games into the season, you can really start to see who's for real and who's not. So. Well, and if you're going to be shopping Dell, you need to give him some more games. So uh, Doug Wilson needs to be putting some pressure on DeBoer to play him some more to so that he can be shocked yeah um and and also you know we got some questions on 
do you think Vegas might trade for a goaltender? Because they're in they're in need of goaltending help. You've got Malcolm Subban who's not doing so great, um, and then Flurry's on the shelf right now with an injury. So again, it's there's there's teams looking for goaltending. Not a lot of great goaltending options right now. So the goaltending market not that great. So this might sound a little weird coming because goaltenders do take a lot of time to build. They take a lot of time to develop. and But, you know, what about a senior goaltender from a college team? When college season is up in March, you know, that that's the time when those college kids come out and they start playing. You know, that might be where you're going to pick someone decent up an undrafted goaltender that, you know, give them a chance. I mean, Denver has a drafted goaltender right now, and he looks, he didn't look so hot tonight, but um, he has great numbers this year, and I could see him leaving after a year. And I believe he is Tampa Bay's property. You know, you know who a guy that, that seems that that might be a potential fit and and he has been a guy that has definitely seen the sharks for a long time um especially well especially when he was on colorado but uh craig anderson you know he's kind of a veteran goaltender who's had some success you know right now he's playing on a really really bad team um but you know there are some sharks connections and ottawa has made some some trades with the sharks so I mean, Craig Anderson might be a guy you might be able to pull out of out of Ottawa, but again, I I kind of like that. I I'm a big Craig Anderson fan, um, so I actually kind of like that. But I have a hard time thinking that Ottawa would trade with us again, considering how fleece they've gotten from us recently. Yeah, um, Rob Iman, the Sharks should poach a backup uh, goaltender on waivers. Um, but again, you gotta you gotta make the cap room and 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 you gotta make it work. So it's, I think it's gotta be money in, money out um, with a with a team. So uh, you know, it's it's gotta it's gotta be you know it's gotta be. Uh, and you don't want a guy with a one point five mil cap room hit sitting in the A. Right. Right, because you only get. I think it's only um, because of the uh, the uh, the Barry contracts yep. rule now. I think you only get six hundred k worth of caps relief there. So, um, Brian. Right, so it doesn't give you anything. Yeah, Brian Elliott could be a trade option. I'm not a Brian Elliott fan. Never have been. Um, no, I don't really like that either. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's yeah. To me, it's 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 got to be a veteran kind of guy and got to be. Mm-hmm. A, a, a quiet kind of goaltender. Now, Craig Anderson's not quiet, but he does, you know, he does battle and he's a battler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Felix with a Brian Elliott's trash. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Felix. Well, I mean, so the sharks are, uh, they're heading on a roll and uh, we've got uh, Edmonton coming up on Tuesday. Um, we get to see Connor McDavid again in town, and uh, we get to see the Sharks' defense against uh, Leon and, and McDavid. So, w- what are you uh, thinking in so far as uh, kind of potential outcomes and uh, things that you're going to be watching on that game? 
I think that we need to go into Tuesday not expecting last Tuesday. Um, I think that we need to not um, expect to beat Edmonton this time. I think that they're going to come in, and they're going to come in angry. And I think that since Connor McDavid had a a zero point night tonight, that he's probably going to have another big night on Tuesday. Um, so I'm going to say we're going to lose. Um, unfortunately, I think that the win streak is going to end there. Um, and I think it's going to be a rough one to watch. You know, I'm being kinda, honest. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm of the mind that uh, that the Sharks, you know, we could be in for a for a, a you know a little bit of a cooling off of the streak. But that being said, if the Sharks do go in and do play the same way that they played them the last time they played. You know, the Sharks could really make a statement to Edmonton being like, hey, you know what? We're not going away. And if they are able to pull out a W there, I think it makes a really strong impression on Edmonton. Edmonton doesn't play well in San Jose, so I think that's something that's uh, favorable for the Sharks. And if they play the physical game on Connor McDavid, you know, have some, you know, get get uh, get him off of his game again, especially giving him a healthy dose of uh, the Mark Edward Vlasic treatment. You know, the Sharks, I think, have the blueprint to win. It's just whether or not they are satisfied with a six-game winning streak or if they really want to put the pedal to the metal and put the throat, you know, put the put the foot to the throat, so to speak. Yeah, I, I, I'm just going in expecting the worst. There, a lot can change in my brain between now and Tuesday, but I, I don't know, I just... I got a bad feeling about it. I think we gave them a nasty taste of dose of shark on Tuesday last this week. And I just, I, I don't know. I just got a bad feeling about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, Kelsey, where can the people find you and what are you doing these days? Um, these days I spend most of my time, uh, hanging out at, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Seymour Hockey, Seymour as S-E-A-M-O-R-E. Um, like I said earlier, I spend most of my time photographing, photographing UND hockey. Um, and my son just turned a year old on the 6th, so oh. Henrik is finally a year. And I'm super excited to be releasing his new shark pictures. Um, that will be hopefully in the upcoming week. Oh, well, I'm at Eric Landy. You can use uh, my first name. That's Eric spelled the right way with a K and my last name, <laughs> L-A-N-D-I on all the social media garbage. Um, and if you have not already, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can find us again on all the social media platforms Thank you so much for tuning in and checking us out and uh, have a great night, ladies and gentlemen. And let's see if I can't wrap this up the right way. So keep it real. Keep it teal. Keep it real teal. Thanks, everybody. Have a great one. And we'll see you after the game on Tuesday.